0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Christ is risen. Jesus. Christos Anesti. Christos was. Beloved, <coughs> Beloved Orthodox Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, who have come to the fifth Sunday of Pascha, and today's reading, according to the Gospel of St. John, is a, in a certain way thematically continuation of what we celebrated last Wednesday, when we celebrated the midpoint between Pascha and Pentecost, the Feast of Mid-Pentecost. And what was the theme? What was it that was spoken in that gospel that we are continuing today? The words of our Savior spoken to the Jews in the temple, that he is the source of living water, that he is the source of living, the fountain of living waters. And all those who thirst, who should come to him, and drink of those living waters, and not only they will quench their own thirst, but also they will become the fountain of living water for others. This is what our Savior said at mid-Pentecost to the Jews that were assembled in the temple. And today is a continuation thematically, as I said, of the same words spoken of our Savior, but in another setting. This time he's not speaking these words to the Jews in the temple, but he's in a city of Samaria called Sychar, Samaritans, as we read from the Gospel, had no dealings with the... Uh, the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. For our Savior, by stopping there, was already an astounding thing for his disciples. But our Savior knew that there were people who would receive his word there. And that is why he passed by that city of the Samaritans to speak with one particular woman. We know even her name, Saint Fortini, because we know of her life after she, uh, she accepted the words of our Savior. And what happens there? we read i won't repeat what we read already in the gospel but there are saviors repeats the same words to this woman that those that he is the fountain of of life that he from him flow the fountain of waters living waters that is grace and those who will quench their thirst with this water they shall not thirst again the same words but very different result why do i say that because if we read the gospel of the mid-Pentecost, we hear there How obdurate were the Jews in hearing these words. Some murmured said, how does this man know these so many things? So he is not even 50 years old. How come that he teaches us who are children, we who are children of Abraham. Others said this and others said that. That is, their heart was not there to receive the words of our Savior. The words those... Profound words that he said that those who thirst should come to him, they didn't come to him to drink of those waters. They didn't come to inquire more from him, to learn from him, to truly quench their thirst from this living water. That is what happened with the Jews in the temple when our Savior said these words to him. But what happens with this woman, a woman who was a Samaritan, who was considered a heretic by the Jews, for they worshipped in a different manner. And our Savior says that they worshipped in a different, in a wrong way, that is, at that mount in, in, in Samaria, Mount Gerizim she opens her heart and receives his words. As soon as she hears from him the words of salvation, she is receptive of them and starts to inquire more. Not only to inquire more, but she goes and tells the whole city that this is the man that has told me these wondrous words. Come and see, mayhap he is the Christ whom we are waiting. How different is her Reception of the words of our Savior from those of the Jews. Same words are spoken by our Savior. Very different result. Why, one may ask, what is it that was different of the Jews from the Samaritans, not only of this woman, but of the whole city who came out and listened to our Savior? And when they listened, they asked him to stay with him. And he stayed several days with him, and they quenched their thirst with the words of salvation that flowed from his mouth. What was the difference between the people that heard him in the temple from these people who were heretics, who were outcasts, who were not true believers, who did accept his word? The difference, beloved Christians, is in this, that the first and did not thirst for the words of our Savior, whilst the second, the Samaritans, they thirsted for the words of salvation. Therein lies the, dif- the difference. If one thirsts or he doesn't thirst for God... For if he one thirsts for God, he will listen to the words of God because his heart is thirsting for God, for a true relationship with Him. And by he, when he thirsts, he will listen and understand and will take to heart every word that proceeds from our Savior's mouth. That is what, our, what the Samaritans had. They thirsted for God, for a true relationship with God. They thirsted for repentance, for keeping of His commandments. They thirsted for true spiritual life and that is why they were receptive of our Savior's word but not so the Jews they did not thirst for God there was no thirst in them for his words for truly understanding and keeping his commandments for penetrating even further in the symbolic actions of the uh, service in the temple there was none of this in them There was no thirst in them, and that is why they disregarded the fountain of life. For a person who does not thirst will not appreciate water. A person that is not thirsty doesn't feel thirst in his mouth. Water is something, another element to him. But when a person is truly thirsty, when a person truly thirsts for water, every drop of water is precious to him more than gold. That is the difference of why some people receive our Savior's words, why others don't. That is why the Samaritans received readily our Savior's words and why the Jews in the temple did not. One thirsted for God and the other did not. The same is said by our Savior's words himself with which we started the today's sermons. Every man that thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Not every man come to me and drink, every man that thirsts. Therefore, the condition, the preparation for one to truly quench one's thirst is that first one should thirst for those living waters, and then one will be able to truly quench one's thirst of of God. But let us go even deeper in understanding this difference. Why is it that some people Thirst for God, and others don't. Why is it especially that the Jews who were the chosen race, those who had the right worship, those who were the children of Abraham, didn't turn out to have this thirst for God? And yet the Samaritans, the outcasts who are out there who were heretics, considered heretics by the Jews, they did have the thirst for God. What is that what kills? The thirst in us. Not that it quenches, but entirely takes away our desire to be thirsty for God. There's one answer, and that answer is called self-righteousness. When a person is self-righteous, he's self-satisfied. He thinks he knows enough, that he has attained enough. He has reached enough. In his heart, in his mind, he does not need God anymore that is the terrible bane of self-righteousness when self-righteousness invades a human heart that person He cloaks with the cloak of invisibility his own conscience so that when conscience pokes a person that he has committed sin or that he should correct himself in that and so forth, self-righteousness ignores all that. It muffles the conscience and gives the illusion to a person that he has done enough, he has attained enough, he is holy enough, he knows enough. And when a person is in that state of mind, what thirst are we talking about? Why will he thirst for anything? Why will he thirst for God when he thinks that he is already holy enough? Why will he thirst for his commandments when he thinks that he has already kept enough his commandments? Why will he want to know more? when he thinks that he already knows enough. This is the terrible disease of self-righteousness with which the Jews were afflicted and of which, our Savior, of which our Savior told them over and over again, exposing their delusion. When he tells to the scribes and the Pharisees of all their self-righteousness and when he tells of the sinners who will go first into the kingdom of God, then they, Why? Because a sinner may be a sinner, but if he has conscience, that conscience poking him and exposing his unrighteousness, that he has an opportunity to repent, to cry. He knows that he's diseased, that he's sick, that he needs help, that he needs God. That is the difference between the publican on one hand and sinner who repents and a Pharisee who does not need repentance because he doesn't see his sin. That is also the difference between the Samaritans, beloved Christians, and the people of the of the Pharisees and the scribes and the rest of them at the temple who rejected our Savior's word. The Samaritans knew that they needed God because they didn't muffle their conscience. They were not self-righteous about themselves. They had not cloaked their conscience with the cloak of uh, invisibility or that self-righteousness does. The Jews on the other hand, they did. They, it got so much into their heads that they were the chosen race, that they were the chosen people, that they disregarded entirely to listen to their conscience and they justified, excused with legalistic tricks that they were best at, the scribes and the Pharisees, to justify every sin that they committed. There was some kind of an explanation that they, with which they could justify themselves. Therefore, Having muffled their conscience by self-righteousness, they did not thirst for God anymore. There was no desire for a real, continued, improved relationship with God. But rather, there was self-satisfaction in their state of mind. That is why they were not able to receive our Savior's, Savior's words and our Savior himself. The Samaritans, on the other hand, they sought, they looked, because they did not fall into that trap of self-righteousness. One experienced elder on the holy mountain said this, illustrated words, very celebrated words. And what did he say? That any time, any day, he prefers to be tempted by temptation from the left than from the temptation of the right. I would say, what does that mean? And he explains afterwards, and he says, the temptations from the left are all the sins that we are tempted with, whether it be gluttony, avarice, carnal things, whatever that is a sin and is we are tempted with according to a a fallen human nature, that is the temptation from the left. And what is the temptation from the right? Vainglory, pride, self-righteousness, self-esteem, all those things that, Tempt us to think that we are better. Not tempt us to commit sin, but rather to ignore our sins. To think that, yes, we committed sin, but we are better than that. That is something that we illusion, that is created, that we are better than we truly are. And he said he preferred to be tempted from the left than from the right. And why, one would ask. Exactly because of that. That by tempted, being tempted from the left from the sins that are committed from the left. That is, the one has repentance at least. One cannot hide his sin, neither to himself or to the others. When one falls into gluttony, it's evident to himself and to the others that one has sinned. One has, is tempted by fornication, the same thing. By stealing, the same thing. But when one creates in himself an illusion of pride, of self-esteem, of vainglory, one does not even see his sins. Therefore, there is no repentance for somebody who doesn't even see that he has committed sins, that he has sins. Therefore, he said, it's much easier to contend with the, with the temptations from the left, for then from that one temptation, which was able to cast down the angel of light from heaven down to hell, that is, pride. Right. And that is what we see exactly play out Every time we open the gospel, over and over again, how the publicans, the sinners, the prostitutes, all those people, as I repeat many times, the wrong kind of people, are open to accept our Savior's words. But the people who seem to have been trained in religion, people that seem to have been prepared from in, in receiving our Savior, those are the ones that reject Him. Why? Because of this, self-righteousness had got into their heads so much that it muffled their conscience entirely, and they stopped wanting, thirsting for God. That is the answer, beloved Christians. And that is what we all run, the risk that we all run, that we should allow this vermin, this virus, to enter into our spiritual life, self-righteousness, and that to quench our thirst for God. Let us examine, therefore, let us examine if we truly thirst for God. And if we see that we don't thirst for God, that there is no that thirst in us like like we thirst for water, there is no that spiritual thirstness from God, let us examine ourselves. Why is it? And without fail, we will see that there's ha- something has happened in our spiritual life, somewhere we went a bit off where we thought that we already know enough, that we already attained enough, that we already have are somewhere there where we can muffle our conscience and not hear the cries of our conscience about how far we are from God. And if we find this state, let us not stay there. Let us not be like the Jews who were so self-satisfied that they missed their opportunity of receiving our Savior, but rather let us be like the Samaritan woman and the people of Samaria who thirsted for God, because although they were sinners, and we know from the life of the Samaritan woman, they never justified themselves. They didn't say it is okay to commit this sin, and they justified with legalistic uh, uh, um, juggling, like the Pharisees did and scribes constantly. Rather, that sinfulness was a torment to them in their hearts and minds. There was a torment coming from sinfulness because the conscience, when it, uh, when it tells us that we have committed wrong, that is a torment in our hearts. They did not muffle that torment, but rather sought how to quench, how to quench with God that which was tormenting them. And that is why when they saw the living waters with which they can quench their thirst. They readily accepted. They readily drank from it. They readily satisfied their thirst by drinking from our Savior's words. Let us hearken, let us follow in the footsteps of the Samaritans, and let us never allow self-righteousness to kill our thirst for God. Let us never allow us our Conscience to be muffled by self-justification, by excusing ourselves, by being self-satisfied in whatever paltry things we do, we think we do good in our lives. But rather, let us allow our conscience to poke us and let us seek the solution to that, not in ignoring it, but rather in quenching our thirst for God by keeping His commandments, by coming in repentance to Him, by wanting to mo- have more, tighter, stronger, more tangible relationship with Him. Of this, may our Savior be most worthy through the prayers of Saint-Fortini and all those Samaritans who on this day became <coughs> disciples of our Savior. Amen.